Welcome to Basecamp, where men join together to seek deeper understanding of authentic manhood and apply principles from God's Word to our daily lives. If you're looking for the next level in men's ministry, join us and experience a life of Christian fellowship with men sold out for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May God be praised. Just want to open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, you know what you want us to hear today, Lord, and I just pray that you would touch each and every man's heart, that you would uh, make us all better for having come here this morning. And I pray that uh, each and every man might have something different on their heart, things going on in their family, that you would just uh, move in their lives today, Lord. I pray that you would uh, uh, just let them feel your presence in their lives, no matter what's happening. Uh, pain, frustration, job change, whatever it might be, Lord, marital issues, I pray that you would just bless them and cover them. And I just thank you and praise you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, as I was given Stephen the Martyr as my topic, uh, it made me think, man, I haven't done anything even in close comparison to what Stephen or any of these martyrs in the past that we, we look to. And I said, man, have I done anything that I could share with the guys and it doesn't even come anywhere close in comparison, but I wanted to share just, just one antidote. Uh, several years back when I was still in uniform in the Navy, um, our leaders called all of our group together, about 25, 30 of us into a room, and they told us that one of our members had died over the weekend. He was a Marine Corps pilot, uh, and he's an F-18 pilot, but he flew his own airplane on the weekend, and he, he crashed it. And, um, and I sensed that we were getting ready to break from the meeting and just... Uh, and I, I was saying to myself, Lord, I'm the junior guy in this room. Uh, if you want me to say something and do something, please just make me bold. So right before we get ready to break, I just said, hey, can I pray for, for Hap and his family? And um, everybody just, you know, I expected to get some grumbling, but there was none. Everybody just let me pray. So it was a real blessing. But sometimes when you put yourself out there and, and you're bold like that. So fast forward two months later, I'm on a trip. We're coming out of the Mideast. And uh, there's a young soldier sitting next to me, a young first lieutenant. Uh, he was prior enlisted, so he's probably in his 30s. And has alcohol in his breath, and he's struggling. I'm thinking he's heading home for R&R, so I start talking to him, and he's, he's heading home for a funeral. So I'm, I'm assuming at his age, his mom, you know, his dad, maybe a grandparent or something like that. Um, so I end up talking to him, and he said it took him like five days to get out of the theater, and that no chaplains had talked to him, and I, I just was like, okay, God, if you want me to do something. So I, I prayed with him on the, on the flight. Well, several of my team members, uh, members were around the different seats around me, and they must have heard me praying for him. And as we're leaving and we're going down the, the causeway, leaving the terminal, um, a guy two pay grades ahead of me, the team leader for that group, said, there goes Scott again, praying and proselytizing. And... Um, it's just, I realize that you're going to get ridiculed sometimes, you know, because of your faith. But that's, that's nothing in comparison to what Stephen does. But I just wanted to share that with you because this guy lost his 18-year-old daughter at ODU. And he was flying, trying to get home. And it took him five days to get out of the theater. And um, when I told, when I mentioned that to the guys, the guy that said that to me and made that comment, he actually had an 18-year-old daughter. So really, think, hit home. So you never know when you're going to be used and just say, pray for boldness. I know at work it's tough sometimes, but uh, so that was just one example of me being ridiculed for, for, for praying and, and having faith. So, yeah. 
Okay. All right, here's the overview of what we're going to be talking about today. Stephen the Martyr. Great story in Acts, and uh, uh, we'll get right into it. Let's set some atmospherics uh, first and a little background of what was going on at the time. We already talked about Pentecost had happened and the Holy Spirit came down on, on all the apostles and, and some others and a lot of great stuff was going on. The Romans were ruling the area at the time, right? And uh, the church, they were kind of being persecuted, maybe thrown in jail, beaten, doing some other things, but nobody was really getting killed up to this point, right, other than Jesus. Um, so the number of disciples started to increase. And as that happened, you have different languages. You had Hellenistic Jews that spoke Greek. You had the Hebraic Jews that spoke Aramaic. And there was uh, some complaints came up every once in a while. So the Hellenistic Jews, and uh, I believe we talked about this last week with Harry, uh, their widows, the Greek widows, weren't being given their daily distribution of food. So they, um, they complained against the Hebraic Jews. And what do they do? They bring it to the 12 apostles. These guys are pretty busy praying, uh, you know, preaching and teaching, and, and uh, they realize, wow, i got to delegate. And it kind of reminded me in the Old Testament when, when Moses was so busy in the wilderness, and it took his father-in-law Jethro to say, why don't you get some other wise guys that can help you and let them judge, and you just take the big cases and let the, the other guys. So this is what the disciples finally decided to do too, and they said, okay, go get seven men that are full of the Spirit and full of wisdom and, and bring them to us. And so that's what they did. Uh, they found Stephen and six other guys. And they are Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Permanus, and Nicholas. And basically the apostles prayed over them and laid their hands on them. And we'll see later that that gave some of the guys special gifts when the Holy Spirit came upon them as well. And we get to witness that. So the word of God spread. It was about to be a huge change and transition from a Jewish-only movement to a world mission. And this was part of the start of it. So who's Stephen, or Stephanos, his Greek name? Uh, well, he was a Hellenistic Jew, and he spoke Greek. So he was, he was perfect to be assigned the guy to work with the widows, the Greek-speaking widows, and to bring their case and make sure they're taken care of. But Stephen was a gifted preacher and teacher, and he might not have wanted the job of, you know, hey, you're in charge of the widows now. But, but he did it. You know, he's faithful. And a lot of times we're called to do things that maybe isn't in our wheelhouse, but we have to then, you know, ask ourselves, should I do this because I'm being asked? Am I being called? So Stephen was called to do that. Stephen's known as the first martyr of Christianity, or also the proto-martyr. Um, he's a deacon in the early church in Jerusalem. And uh, usually when you see pictures of him, like this one up here, he's, he's dressed in deacon garments, and uh, he has a, a palm branch in his hand, which is a symbol of martyrdom. Um, he's made a saint, obviously he's the patron saint of stonemasons, masons, bricklayers, deacons, and headaches. Probably, probably based off of how he, was, uh, how he died and how he was martyred, and we'll talk about that more. Um, so uh, he's described as a man full of God's grace and power, and he performed great wonders and signs. So up to this point, it was typically Moses in the Old Testament, Jesus and the apostles were the only ones that were seen doing really great signs and wonders. And then all of a sudden, Stephen and some other guys come around that also have that, that gift and the ability. Um, one other thing I found as I was doing research is that Stephen, Jesus, and Saul were all alive during the same period. And they were all similar in age, give or take about 10 years. That's just based on my research. If I'm wrong, 
Uh, somebody please tell me, but I th- found that very interesting that Saul was around the same age as, as uh, Stephen and that you know, Jesus was a little older than them and had died a few years before on the cross. But just, just something interesting. So Stephen's a young man. Um, so the charges and accusations. Because Stephen was such a great preacher and teacher, um, none of the... Uh, the Pharisees and other people at the time could stand up to his wisdom because he, uh, God had given him the spirit of just wisdom to be able to preach. So whenever they debated him openly or anything, they lost. He, 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 he was an uh, outstanding speaker, and, um, but because of that, his teaching and preaching aroused strenuous objection from uh, the opposition, fierce hostility at times. And so much because they argued, uh, they couldn't argue with him, they had to do something else, like sling mud, right, or lie. That's what you do when you can't face somebody in a debate. You, you try to sling up mud, and I guess we see some of that in politics sometimes today. But, um, so he was seized and brought before the Sanhedrin to answer for his uh, charges. The false charges that were trumped up were blasphemy. And um, they, told, they said that he first blasphemed against Moses and God, and then as more false witnesses came, that he blasphemed against the law and the... Um, and the temple. And those are like the big things for the Sanhedrin, for the, for the Jewish elite. You don't talk uh, about, about the temple and the law, and you don't question that type of stuff. And Stephen was, was bringing a different perspective focused on, on Christ because he knew him. And um, blasphemy, just for definition purposes, it's, it's defined as great disrespect shown to God or something holy. And it was a serious charge, and people have been killed for blasphemy. And um, so I just want to uh, read this piece of scripture. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law and they seized Stephen, brought him before the Sanhedrin and they produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. That's how they interpreted what he was saying. Or really, as we know, Jesus had the same argument. He was talking about his body would be raised again in three days, not destroying physically the temple. Because the temple is where Jesus is. It's where, it's where God is. It's not a physical building. We come to church, but uh, it's, it's where his people are. That's how it's always been. So um, God is holy. This is why it was a big deal to the, uh, um, to the Sanhedrin. God is holy and above all things. Moses was revered in history and showed great signs and wonders. The temple is God's home where he physically lived and that's how they looked at it. And the law was God's word and the commandments. So anybody that spoke against those things was was quickly dealt with. So Stephen's defense. He gets in there to the Sanhedrin and the high priest says, ask Stephen, are these charges true? So he kind of opens the door to, hey, defend yourself. No lawyers, just you, you better be pretty good at defending yourself. So he now began his defense, and he lays it out beautifully, succinctly. He gives a, a his, nice history of the Old Testament, focusing on four different periods and five key players who were in the Old Testament. Now, the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin members, they, they knew these stories as well, probably as good as, as Stephen. You know, they knew the history of the, of the Old Testament. So... Um, Stephen's speech was not so much a a self-defense, but more of a testimony about Christ. He laid out in the Old Testament how many times 
the people turned their back on Moses and on God and how they were disobedient. And he first laid it out like that. And I thought that this was interesting and, and it's one of, the, one of the key verses here is, all in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw his face was like the face of an angel. Possible that Jesus did this on purpose, right? Right in front of everybody. Maybe a brightening of his face, some type of Shekinah glory. Uh, maybe uh, just like Moses coming down off the mountain. Maybe they did that, I, I'm sure they did that on purpose because they were looking at him and just realizing that he looks like an angel. So something they would remember for sure and especially after they had killed him, they would take that with them. So his defense, uh, as he continues, he, he breaks down the different periods. Um, he wanted to highlight four different distinct periods of the Jewish history and each of the periods uh, were done in different lands. And in those different lands, God was present. God was a pilgrim God. He was wherever his people were. He was a God on the move. He wasn't stuck to some temple. He was a God of glory who appeared to Abraham while he was a heath in heathen Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldeans and called him out to his journey. Um, he was with sons Isaac and, and Jacob and then the, the 12 forefathers, okay? And then when they got jealous of their brother, they sold Joseph into slavery and he ends up in Egypt. So then he talks about Joseph next and uh, how he was blessed the whole time he was there, saved from jail, uh, from Potiphar. He was uh, also uh, given special gifts like deciphering dreams. And then he was raised to be the second in command to Pharaoh himself. So God was with him in Egypt. He was with him in modern day Iraq, I believe is where Ur is. Uh, Help me out, historians, if not. And then um, God came to Moses in the desert of Midian, right, while he was there for 40 years in, in a form of a burning bush and told him to take off his sandals where he's standing his, hol his holy ground. But God was with Moses the first 40 years of his life in Egypt as well and blessed him and allowed him to be brought up in Pharaoh's uh, castle and to learn uh, all the ways of the Egyptians. And... Um, he was also evident in the promised land. And, uh, and that's where his people were. So that's where he is. So God's presence is not limited to a particular place. And that was one of Stephen's main points is that it's where Jesus is. Jesus is in our heart and he's with us. He's with the people. So why did they stone Stephen? He just gave a little history, but why, why did they actually stone him? Okay, so this is why. All right. He accused his accusers of being worse than their ancestors. After he'd already laid out how disobedient the ancestors were, he now accused them of being worse than them. He called them stiff-necked, which is another term for stubborn. You guys are stubborn. You have uncircumcised hearts and ears. Typically, another part of the anatomy is used when we talk about circumcision. But he told them that their hearts and ears were uncircumcised. And these were terms that Moses and God had used against uh, Israel earlier in the Old Testament as well, so they were familiar with those terms. He said, your ancestors persecuted the prophets and killed those who predicted the Messiah. He said, but you, you betrayed and murdered Jesus. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. Um, but this last statement at the bottom in yellow is really what just put them over the top. Before Stephen got to this whole slide here, he might have been able to just get flogged and let go. But this, accusing them and then 
uh, laying that out is what set them over the top and, and made them just think blood. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. We remember from other teachings that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he was sitting on the right hand of God. Now he's standing at the right hand of God as Stephen's looking up and he's, he sees him. And maybe he stood up to show approval to Stephen for what was about to happen. He knew that Stephen was gonna be getting killed here for his faith. And so he was showing approval and he may be welcoming him into the kingdom soon. So at this, they covered their ears and they just began yelling. There was no more talking at that point. It was all yelling at the top of their voices and they rushed at him. They dragged Stephen out of the city and began to stone him. And meanwhile, if you look at that picture and you see it in the back, there's a guy standing in the background with a bunch of coats. The witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Those may sound familiar and we'll talk about similarities here in a minute. So stoning, also called lapidation, just, just a little bit about it. It was a standard method of capital punishment back then. It was usually done for some grave misdeeds, but blasphemy was considered one of them. The Romans had taken away the, Jew, the Jews' right of capital punishment during this time, so this whole thing was a circus and more of a mob lynching than it was an official execution. That's why they had to drag them out of town. So basically a group gets together, picks up a bunch of stones, and don't think little pebbles. I don't know if you can see some of them pictures. These are great big stones that can crush a skull. And um, they basically will stone them until they're dead. According to the law, the first to begin the stoning are the witnesses and accusers. So the people who lied about them to begin with are the ones that get to kill them. Doesn't seem fair. And... uh, So it could have been members of the Sanhedrin or just the false witnesses that started it, but then everybody can jump in. But Saul was there. And it says that Stephen fell asleep. Now we've heard that before uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, People fell asleep, it sounds nice and calm, but it's a very peaceful way to describe the horrific death that that, um, Stephen just endured. And it said that Saul approved of their killing him. So he was there and his approval was there. And he would go on to further go after Christians. And I'll touch on that. This next slide right here is just, a, just to show you the similarities of Stephen and Jesus. Um, Jesus was crucified, of course, and Stephen was stoned. But both of them were, were killed. Both of them were accused of blasphemy. And um, in both cases, false witnesses testified against them. Stephen is described as full of wisdom and able to perform signs and wonders, and we know Jesus can do that as well. And he had those attributes. (laughs) Stephen even mimicked Jesus with his final words, as we heard earlier. While Jesus was speaking to God the Father to receive his spirit, Stephen was speaking to Jesus. So that's that's a kind of a big difference. It's him realizing that Jesus is the Messiah and that's who is his advocate to the Father. So Jesus died for the sins of the world and all of us to give us a gift we could never repay. Stephen's death ultimately led to the greater spreading of the faith. The disciples and followers had to spread out after this. After this event, they started going after Christians a lot harder to try to kill them, as many as they could. So by virtue of them running and spreading out and going to different towns, Christianity spread. 
So Stephen has uh, played a big part in that. That concludes my, uh, my talk on Stephen, uh, and these are the discussion questions. Uh, Stephen's death was similar to Jesus in what ways, and how can we be as confident as Stephen was? Discuss how the martyrdom of Stephen may have had an impact on Saul. Have you ever felt persecuted or treated badly because of your faith in Jesus Christ? And I say if you have, God bless you. So, thank you very much.